Everyone according to his ways declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all of your transgressions. Least iniquity be your ruin. Cast away all of your transgressions that you have committed and make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O Israel? Verse 32. This is what God is saying. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Do we believe that to be true? Do we believe that? He's saying to the people, turn from your wicked ways. It's your wicked ways that I'm going to bring judgment upon you. It's our wickedness. It's the, the, the billions of people around the world. It's their wickedness that God will judge. See, do we not realize that? We can ask the question, well, what about those 1.5 billion people that had never heard the name of Jesus? I'll tell you, they will die because of their sinful condition. That's the promise of God. I don't like to say that. I don't want to teach that. But that's what God's word says. But then the truth of God that he says in the last verse, I have no pleasure in that though. So if God is saying, hey, because of your sinfulness, you have, to have, you have to have death because of your sinfulness, but I take no pleasure in that, where does that leave us today, church? Do we believe those two things? Do we really believe that 1.5 billion people in the world that have never heard of Jesus are going to die and go to hell? Do we believe that? Because if we don't believe that and we have this idea, well, hey, if they've never heard, then they can't be accountable. If they can't be accountable, then they'll go to heaven. Then let's stop doing missions. Let's just quit. If 1.5 billion people don't have to give it an account unless they hear it, then man, let's just close these doors and let's just hide away so that 1.5 billion people can go to heaven because they never heard. If that's really our logic. And so I don't want to answer the question today, what about those people that have ever heard? The, the reality is they will die and spend eternity apart from Christ Jesus. Does that not do something in your heart? And we can say all day long, man, God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. Or his heart is this, I have no pleasure that anyone die and spend eternity away from Christ Jesus. He says that in his word. And so if that's Christ, if that's God's heart, that has to become our heart. Is it our heart, Pals Chapel? Do we have a heart for the billions of people that are dying and going to hell? Well, there's 1.5 that never heard, but there's a whole other set of people that have heard and are still dying and going to hell. That ought to be terrifying just as much. You want to know why we do all that we do? You want to know why we're doing small groups in a few weeks? It's for those people that here have heard but have never trusted. We're doing it to those people. We're also doing it for the 1.5 billion people that have never heard. All that we do is for the people that have no idea what it really means that they are sinful in their sinful condition, that they will die apart from Christ Jesus. That's what we do what we do. You want to know why we do the boxes? That's why we do it. You want to know why we do movie nights? That's why we do it. You, you want to know why we do Sunday school? That's the reason we do it. But see, it ought not start with missions. That's why I taught last week 
Our heart cannot start with missions. Here's what one writer said. I love this quote. Get this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Think about that. Our ultimate goal here is not missions. It's it's not the 1.5 billion people. It's not the billions of people around the world that have no idea who Jesus is. That's not our main mission. That's not the ultimate mission. Worship is to know him. That's what we talked about. That's where we laid all the foundation of where we're going for the next several months about who are we. We want to be a people of God that worship God wholly. Missions exist because worship doesn't. See, if we became worshipers of God and we really began to believe the truths of God and we really began to live our lives fully in worship, then the automatic outflow of that is obedience and obedience will always take us into missions. So the ultimate goal of the church is not, worship, uh, is not missions, but worship. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. Worship is the fuel and the goal in missions. So where does that leave us, Powell's Chapel? You know, we say here our mission statement is Powell's Chapel exists to glorify God by knowing him and making him known. And so if you're here this morning and you're not about worshiping God, then we cannot move on to the mission of God. And the mission of God is to know, to make Him known. But we must be worshipers of God first and foremost. And so for us, Paul's Chapel, are we worshipers of God? Do we worship God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength, our whole being, everything that is in us, are we God worshipers? Because if we're God worshipers, then we will live on mission with God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We'll be in two passages this morning. I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, I'm only teaching on seven words. I'm only going to teach and preach on seven words, but these seven words come out of these two passages. This is the great commission. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, Jesus, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. I I love that tagline in that, that passage. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, we know that passage well. It's the Great Commission. That commission is this military word, and we have military veterans in here. You see, when, when the, the, the captain or the leader or the, the president, when they give the commission to the soldiers, the soldiers can't shirk the responsibilities. They go. You're not going to get into a debate with the four-star general when he says, hey, this is the mission today, and I'm commissioning you today to go, and this is where you're going, and this is the mission that we need 
to accomplish. The soldiers fall right behind the commander and they march behind the commander as they go into the mission, correct? Then I'm not a military guy. I don't know military, but all the study says that. Is that true, Keith? Like you, you don't want a soldier, if you're in the army, right, Rob, you, you don't want one of those guys to be like, well, wait a minute, man. Hold up. Back here in the back. I don't know all about that. That's not going to go well in a debrief. Is it? Okay. I just hope we're on the same page. But how come we, the church, do that with God? We, we said, oh, hold up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a little dangerous. That's a bit crazy. That doesn't make much sense. And instead of going on mission with God, we kind of sit back and watch all the other people go and do. And then we feel good about ourselves because we shell out some money for them. Oh, well, here's some, here's some rations for you as you go. Good luck. Pat them on the back. And we just sit back. But God has called us. To be on mission with Him. But it starts with our worship and our allegiance to Him and Him alone. You see, if we don't believe in God, then we won't, we'll never believe in the mission He's called us to. So the question will always go back for me, always go back for us, the church. Do we believe in God the Father, what Jared just sang to us? Do we really believe that both places. I don't care what you believe intellectually. I care what you believe in your heart. Do you really believe, man, he is God the Father, the ultimate judge over all things, and he has sent his son to redeem the lost because of my wicked sin. Do I really believe that? Because if we really believe that, then we'll be on mission with God. Let's turn to the next passage. I'll spend the majority of our time here this morning. Romans chapter 10. Romans is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Romans 9 and 8 and 9 is, man, those are some of the most theologically rich passages in all of God's Word. And so 7, 8, and 9 are all about the, the salvation of people, the sanctification of people. And then here in chapter 10, Paul is going to tell us what it looks like for the salvation of everyone. He starts, I'll start in verse 13. Well, verse 12, he says, There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. He, he, he's saying, Paul's saying, hey, what I just talked about in 7, 8, and 9, that salvation piece that God has called us to, that God wants to redeem us to, it's for everyone. There's no distinction. And then he says this in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls will be saved. And then he asks these four questions that have answers to. How then will they call the one who aren't saved? That's what he's saying. So you see, if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, then he says then this. How then will they who aren't saved call on him? 
Right? You see that in the passage. If everyone calls, then those who've never heard, how, how, like, how's this going to work, Paul? Paul's going to tell us. How then will they call on him who they did not believe? And how will they believe in him who they've not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how will they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so Paul is saying, you want to know how they come to know Christ? You want to know how 7, 8, and 9 happen? Here's how it happens. So I'm going to go backwards rather than forwards in the text. These are the, the first word I want to look at is in the very last piece of verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Circle that in your Bible. See, if salvation rests on people, then it has to rest on what? Those being sent. Right? If it all goes back, we're going backwards to forward. The forward is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes through these lists of questions. And the first thing, these first, the first verb that we see is this. This action verb, sent. Well, we just read who sends us. Is that not what we just read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20? He says, go. So the command is from God to go. So God is the one that's commissioning you, not me, not the church. God is saying to you, go. He's sending you. So no one in the room this morning can say to themselves, well, I'm not a missionary. God doesn't call me to that. God doesn't call me to the 1.5 billion people in the world. No, he just called you to it in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go, you are the disciples. You're the chosen ones that I've chosen to impart my truth to. Now you go. So you, church, have been sent. Now, sent might mean you go to your neighbor 10 feet across from your front door. Sent might mean you go 30,000 miles to a remote village in Africa. I don't know where that sent is. I just know he's called you to go and is sending you to go. So everyone in here, listen to me up here, everyone eyes on me. You are a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter where you go. Because you have been sent by God. Do you believe that, church, this morning? Do we, church, Powell's Chapel, believe that, that we are sent by God to go and make disciples? See, that's the first word. The second word is this. He says, so you are to go. That's the first, the, 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 the sent, and now you're to go. And what do we do when we go? So as we go from here, what are we to go and to do? Right? Everyone said, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. God sent me, now I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what, what the mission is. I, I don't have my papers to tell me what to do. Now he's going to tell you what to do. So no one can leave here this morning. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you what God's word tells you as a believer to do. He says this. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? 
So the mission is to go, and then the way to go and what we are to do in our going is what was God's word says, to preach. So I'm to go, I've been sent by God to go, to go and do what? To preach. So how does it all end up here? Right, if the mission of God is that everyone is to go and everyone is to preach, how does it always end up here? I don't mean just me. I mean the pastors around the world. How does it end up in a four-by-four four square with a, with a microphone preaching? That word does not mean one person to preach. It means to herald the gospel. And what that word means is that people would stand on the street corner and herald the news that was happening in the city. And what they would do is they would herald it to the next person, the next person that could hear it would then herald it to the next person. And on and on and on and on it went. That's how news got spread because people were heralding or they were preaching the news. And so how is it that we've relegated preaching to a 30-minute window, if you're here at Powell's Chapel, 45 minutes, sorry, but I'm not really, to, to a small time frame on a Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to go hear some preaching this morning. If you haven't heard preaching all week long, then you haven't been around believers doing what God's Word says, which means you most likely aren't doing what God's Word says, nor am I. We are to preach the good news. What's the good news that we are to preach? It was what we talked about last week. The preaching is simply this. This is what God's message is. That there is a holy God. And there's a holy standard that he's called people to. And at the foundation of the world, two people chose not to be wholly devoted to God. And they sinned against God. And in that sin, sin entered the world and corrupted all relationships with all mankind and with the ultimate relationship with God the Father. And so we lived in this sinful condition. And in that sinful condition, God had mercy on us, had compassion on us, saw that we were far from him and sent his son to redeem us, to pay the price for our sinful condition. And that we then place our hope and faith and trust in him. That's the message. It's not an easy message, but it's a simple message. But are we too afraid to tell people the truth? The truth is, man, you're dying and you're going to hell because of your sinful condition. Well, wait a minute, Todd. Wait just a minute. People don't like that. No, they don't like that. People don't want to know the truth of God. People don't want to know that God's set standards for how we live our life. But he has, has he not? But it starts with us. See, what you don't want and what I don't want, I don't want a hypocritical preacher, do you? I mean, anyone in one, one of those? No. So we got to ask ourselves first, am I a hypocritical preacher? Do I really believe what I'm about to go preach? Do I really place my hope and faith in Jesus Christ that redeemed me from all my sins? Do I really believe that? Do I live my life according to that? 
So we're to go and to preach. The next word is this. How are they to hear? That's a great promise in this text. So we're sent, we go, we preach, and the beauty is people hear. You see, then we, then we eliminate the question, what about those 1.5 billion people that never heard? Well, let's not give them an opportunity not to hear the gospel. Let's go and preach the word of God to all of God's people all over the world so that we can't sit around and ask the question anymore, what about those who have never heard? We'll go preach and then they will hear. That's a promise. If you say it, they will hear it. And then it says this, and how will they believe in whom they've never heard? The next verb is this, they hear it, this ought to give you great promise this morning. Church, listen to this, they hear it, they will believe it. Do you see that in scripture? If we're sent by God, we go, we preach, they hear, they what? They believe. Like that means, man, I'm going to win. Like, who's not going to take those odds? Like, wait a second. God, your word just said, if I preach it, then someone's going to hear it. And when someone hears it, they're going to believe it? Wow, wait a second, God. Wait a second. But do we believe that to be true? See, and I know we can sit here and say, well, man, not everyone's going to believe. That's true. Not everyone's going to believe when they hear it. I know that. You know that. But man, somebody is going to hear the word of God and somebody's going to believe in God. Amen? That's how you're here. That's how I'm here. Because someone had the boldness, the courageous enough efforts to go and proclaim the word of God and it fell on my deaf ears and in my deaf ears the Holy Spirit intervened and opened my ears and said, you will believe today. And I believe because someone's faithfulness in preaching the word. Here's how I know that to be true personally. About nine years ago, ten years ago, I went to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip with one of my dear friends. And we went to this remote village in the middle. Uh, Esteban, you've been there, in, in Boma. And it's just a small, tiny village in the middle of nowhere in the DR. And they said that there's some houses on this ridge across this raging river. And I thought, oh man, I don't like rivers. I don't want to take a horse. Y'all know I don't want to take horses. I'm definitely not getting on a donkey because that's, that's a half a horse. There's no way I'm doing that. And so with, uh, the, 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 with my friend, encouraged me along the way. I rolled my pants up, took my shoes off, held them over this raging river, walked across this river, walked up this muddy side of this mountain, and came to this shack. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a house. And our, my buddy who knows Spanish, uh, with the, the guy from the village, we knocked on this, I'll call it a door, it wasn't a door. You've seen them, Jack, they're, they're not houses. Knock on this door, and this why this this door flies open and this woman comes and all of a sudden she bursts in tears she started weeping 
And then she started saying something in Spanish. I have no idea what she was saying uh, other than uh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. That's all I could make out in her broken, crying Spanish. And then she said this. After many, many minutes of crying and just singing glory to God, glory to God, she said, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. If there is a God, that God would send someone to this little house on this side of the mountain to tell me about Jesus. What? This was one of the 1.5 billion people in the world that had never heard of Jesus. And because of my obedience to go and herald the gospel to someone, her ears heard the gospel, and in that moment, she believed in the name of Jesus Christ. She believed. And so the promise in this text is, hey, if we do the preaching, they'll do the hearing, and God will do the believing. They will believe if we preach the word. He said, they'll believe. What's that belief look like? How will they believe in him who they've never heard? It says, how will they call on him who they've not believed? So they believe, and in their belief is when they begin to do the calling. They begin to cry out to God out of their belief because they heard the gospel. They believe, and then they call in the name of Jesus. That's what that lady was doing on the side of the mountain. So we want people to call on the name of Jesus. How come? How come we want to people to call on the name of Jesus? It's here in the text. For everyone who what? Calls on the name of Jesus will be what? Saved. They will be saved when they call, when they hear, when they, when they believe, they hear because of your preaching and teaching, because you've been obedient in the going, because you heard God send you. Do you see that in the text? You want to know the greatest missionary strategy in the world? There it is. There it is. You, God sends, you go, you preach, they hear, they believe, they call, they are saved. Now all that leads me to one question. If it's that simple, why are there 1.5 billion people in the world that have never heard on the name of Jesus where does this whole thing break down? It breaks down uh, at, the, at the, second, the, the second word after send, the preaching part. You see, everything else, everything else, the sending rests on God, the going rests on our obedience to God, the, the, them hearing, them believing, them calling, them being saved, everything else rests on God but two places, the going and the preaching. That everything else is on God. Those two words, we must go and we must preach. So if there's 1.5 billion people in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus, then it's not a God problem, it's a Todd problem. It's a Michelle problem. It's a Robert problem. It's It's a Rita problem. It's a church individual problems that we aren't going and preaching the word of God. You see, our mission statement is what? We want to glorify God by knowing him and making him known. That's the preaching part, church. That's the preaching part. And I ask yourself this question this morning as we come to the close. 
Just one question. Are you praying that God gives you opportunities to preach? You see, you can't ask God, oh, well, man, am I to go or not? Give me the obedience to go or not? Like, is that the call in my life? No, the call is so true for everyone as a believer. You are called and you are sent. You see, you and I, we can't open the ears of people. Only God can do that. We can't open the hearts of people to believe. Only God can do that. We can't make people call on the name of Jesus. Only He can do that. And He for sure is the only one that can save them. But we can go and we can preach. We all have that ability in the room. But my question to this, do we all have that obedience in the room? Which goes back to what we taught on last week. Do you believe? Do you believe? And do you really know God? Do you believe His mission is to redeem the world? Do we really believe that, church? You see, if we started the morning off by reading Ezekiel 18.32, He's got no pleasure in anyone dying and going to hell. He takes no pleasure in that. But we know today that there's going to be people dying and going to hell today. We know that, correct? I mean, that, that ought not to shock us. Oh, no, like he just said something crazy. No, there's millions of people that are going to die and go to hell today. Now, 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 now. Because they've never heard someone preach the word of God to them. That rests on us, church. That doesn't rest on this pulpit, church. That rests on your shoulders and on my shoulders. Because God is sending, we ought to go and we ought to preach. Everywhere we go, will we be heralds of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I want us to go and I want us to preach. And one of the ways we're going to do that this year is through the Operation Christmas Child. That is going and that is preaching. Now, we get to do it from here. We get to do it as we put in boxes. But every box in, at December that we're going to fill, we're going to fill it with the gospel. You see, we fill it with a lot of things. But the thing that has the most weight in all of it is that track that holds the gospel that we then give to someone that will go and herald the message as they give that little box to a kid that's never heard the gospel. And so I don't have a goal of 200 boxes. I don't have a goal of 300. I have a goal. We do what God calls us to do. And that ought to be thousands of boxes. I mean, a box is less than $20. I spend that on a week at Starbucks. And that latte's got nothing on the gospel to a child that's never heard the message of Jesus Christ. And so church, The challenge for all of us this year as we go into who are we, the people of Powell's Chapel? Do we really exist? Or is it just a cool tag, a cool logo on our website and on our bulletin that says we exist to really know God, but we also exist to know God, but we really exist to make Him known to the nations. And the nations start here in Walter Hill. The easiest place is to go because you get to come home. 
The hardest place to minister is within the four walls of your house. If your husband or your wife or your children aren't believers, that's going to be the most difficult place to, to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you that flat out. But it's going to start with your home but before it starts with the nations. I'll talk to the men in the room, only the men in the room. Men, it starts with you. It doesn't start with your wife leading the house. In intimacy with God, it starts with you, men, leading your house in the mission of God to know him. And so, men, are you making God known in your house? And are you calling your family to a place to know God? Because if you're not calling your family that, you're never going to send your family to the four corners of the world. You just, it's just not going to happen. And so, men, it starts with us. To know God. Are we spending time in his word? Because when we spend time in his words, we come along these passages of scriptures that says, man, he doesn't have a heart for people to die and go to hell. That only comes out of his word. That's not going to come out of the, the radio. It's not going to come off sports centers. There's going to be no ticker tape at the bottom of sports center when the sports are going across. This is, hey, fellas, go read your Bible. That ain't happening. It starts with us men. Do we saturate our hearts with the gospel of Jesus Christ and are we heralding it out to our family first and foremost? Men. And then women, are we being obedient to that call? Are we submitting ourselves under that call? Because I promise this, if you're not submitting to your husband, you'll never submit to God. It just ain't going to happen. So women, it, it starts with the men leading the way, but women, we need you to submit your lives under the care of God's husband and your wife because you trust in God more than you trust in your husband to go and make disciples, but it starts in your house. Amen? Amen? So men, what are we doing? Men, let's lead the church. But in leading the church, we must lead our homes. You want to know why there's 1.5 million people dying and going to hell? It's probably because we have 1.5 billion men that are pansies, sissies. Don't want to get their hands dirty. Don't, definitely don't want to get their spiritual hands dirty. Forget that. So there's 1.5 billion people in the world that are dying to go to hell. We better church here in America look at our own lives and say, men, are we leading the way in our homes? Are we leading the way in the church? Because the commission hasn't changed from the beginning of Christ's ascension. Go and make disciples in all of the nations. So church, Pals Chapel, how much time will you give to this great commission? I ask you to do this. This year, figure out what 2%, 2% of your free time, your free time. Now, I'm not saying at work. I'm not saying with your family, but at free time, will you give to being on mission and his commission in your life to go and preach the gospel. I'll tell you where it starts. Start with prayer. 
Just give 2% of your life to prayer this year. Because you give 2% of your life to prayer, the dominoes will begin to fall all over the place and God will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to share the good news with billions of people that have never heard the gospel. Let us pray. God, I pray for us here at Powell's Chapel that we would be a church first and foremost that would know you intimately. And God, wherever we're at in that moment today, God, if there needs to be repentance, I pray that we would repent of that. God, I pray if we're, the men in here would say and take that inventory and say, man, I have not been leading my family spiritually, that there would be repentance in this place today. And God, if there's women in here that have not submitted to their husband, I pray for that repentance and for that submission, God. God, I pray that we would be a people here at Powell's Chapel that will ultimately be a people of worship. And out of our worship, we couldn't help but herald the good news of Jesus Christ. God, allow us this morning to give just a portion of our lives back to you to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not about money, God. It's about our time. It's about our hearts, our souls. Lead us. Guide us. Let us herald the good news in this city and around the world. We do, God, as Paul's Chapel, exist to glorify you by knowing you and making you known.